This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Damn, Jeffrey Tubin. At least Pee Wee Herman was in an X-rated movie theater. I'm just saying. Jeffrey Tubin, CNN's legal analyst, <laughs> and I guess. But this guy, does he get rehired at any point, or do you think his career is shot? Not that it would be lamented by a lot of people on the right, but still in all, uh, how egregious is a fault like this? You know, it's the stupidity of it as much as anything, but then the lewdness, too, uh, when you consider that he was in the altogether on a Zoom call with a lot of females. Uh, this now just surfaced. I guess it was Vice, the motherboard people, because that's their tech wing of reporting, uh, they outed him. Uh, what did we say on this one? I'm going to start with Bill here in Bracebridge. Hey, Billy, go ahead. You're on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon. Well, Johnny, I think his job is pretty much spent, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but how much... I, I would love a job like that that got me that aroused. Like, honestly, that's <laughs> got to be the best job in the world. <laughs> Maybe they right. should put him on working from home. <laughs> Gone wild videos. <laughs> it's an idea. Eh? You know, maybe he got aroused when he saw the Biden poll numbers. Uh, he's of that stripe. I'm just thinking, you know, whatever it was. My God. Okay, Billy, thanks for weighing in. I knew it was going to be a festival of, of puns and all the rest, but that's what this kind of scenarios. Look, Tubin, dude, uh, cover the camera. John here in Toronto. John, good afternoon. Welcome to the Oakley Show. Weigh in on this one. <laughs> it's a funny day for talk radio. Trying. I think that he should rise to the occasion and stand up for himself and get himself off this whole thing because it's obviously rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. There you go, John. It's uh, more than the trifecta. That's the, uh, it's almost like the Quinella you hit there with four or five puns in a row. <laughs> You're good. You're on top of your game, my friend. Thanks so much for that. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, kind of anticipated that, but still at the core of it is the issue of whether or not this is something that's rehabilitatable in this current climate. Kyle, how about you here in Toronto? Good afternoon. Welcome to the Oakley Show. Hey, John. Uh, I, to me, honestly, uh, the, in all honesty, we've, we've all seen things as adults, and the unforgivable sin here, the, the real wrong, is that nobody... I asked your screener, was his junk on camera? Well, like, was it in the frame, or did you just see hand motions in the top? <laughs> I didn't see it, but apparently everybody else did. And uh, I think he's now being sponsored by 1-800-GOT-JUNK. <laughs> okay, well, oh, is he, that, is he that well hung? Okay, well, then maybe the things are looking up for him. But I, I would actually chuckle and, and thank God if that happened. Because to me, it's unforgivable that... You wouldn't just tell him, hey, dude, you're on camera still. Put your junk away, like, quick. There's ladies in the room, like, and let that be the end of it. Okay. But you're a cooler cat. These people not necessarily as reserved or they don't react in a cool and calm, detached way and a forgiving way. They're not way. Canadians, are they? No. No, they're oh, not. Oh, that's the problem. Oh, okay, never mind, sir. I'm commenting on the wrong show. <laughs> that's okay. He's an American, and he works at the New Yorker as well as CNN. Now you know. Uh, let me get to uh, Rich in Mississauga. Hey, Rich, how about you? What are your thoughts on Tubin? Is he rehabilitatable? Would you, if you had to uh, be in a position to hire him or fire him, uh, would you bring him back? I've heard the guy before. I always said he was a wanker, and now he's proven it. <laughs> this is big stuff, uh, and it's what Canadians perceive as being particularly egregious. If we hit a tipping point where people are really disenchanted now, 
And usually it's the easily understood scandals that really resonate. Let me get to Jeff and Etobicoke next here on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon, Jeff. Johnny, 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 Johnny. You know, Pierre Poirier is a political novice. Uh, this is a stupid <laughs> position to take. Listen, they, uh-huh. Justin called their bluff and he won. And this is what Justin is going to do. He's going to work uh-huh. at Jagmeet and he's going to pass Pharmacare and he's going to pass the basic minimum income. He's going to roll in EI into basic minimum income. Then he's going to challenge the conservatives to run against taking that away from Canadians. They're going to lose. Listen. Con- mm. I don't know who's advising the conservatives, but rather than try to, 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 to put together a comprehensive governing strategy and work with the liberals, all they've been trying to do is, be- is become this, this petulant. Um, well, why would you say that? I mean, look, uh, they've been nothing but compliant during this whole thing with the money going out the door, the CRB, Johnny, the CERB before that, the wage subsidy. was all supported. This this Johnny, met no impediment Stephen at all. Harper, you're, you're arguing against yourself. You're wrong, Jeff. Stephen Harper spent a billion dollars in one weekend. Oh, boy. Nobody right. Stephen Harper. Uh, yeah, let, let's go back I'm, to Diefenbaker. I'm talking about how conservatives are, are hypocritical. Stephen Harper spent a billion dollars in one weekend. And the liberals just allowed him to do it and now you're going to talk about corruption yeah i am Uh, you know i am i am uh because a lot of people for whom this is well you you say they will i i don't believe that's to be the case i think they're going to be you were wrong the last time you were wrong again oh i I was wrong okay jeff and you're wrong now and you know you're doubling down on being wrong because you say that somehow uh they're first of all the conservatives uh were putting up roadblocks or impediments to all the money going out the door during the time of COVID in the early stages. I mean, go back and check the record. It's only a matter of months, Jeff. I mean, seriously, you can bring that to the table and try to argue that persuasively? Come on, Jeff, you got to do better than that. Uh, All right, I got your point. Let me move on. I want to talk to somebody here who's got some logic on their side. Andrew in Bracebridge, go ahead. You're on the Oakley Show. Good afternoon, Andrew. Good afternoon, John. Great day for Talk Radio. Thank you for it. Uh, basically, Trudeau is trying to wiggle off the hook. He, the way I see it is he's got a skeleton, uh, closet full of skeletons, and he's trying to burn down the whole house to avoid the truth coming out. No, it's a cover-up. Voting against. So Cooper? Cover-up! Big uh, issue that's now embroiled the University of Ottawa, and the president sort of caught in the crossfire there, but academics are supporting a teacher who, in the context of teaching appropriation of language by certain groups uh, is now being chastised by the student union head who said uh, when you use the n-word or you're presenting it uh, you have a responsibility to know the weight of the word people should realize it's not a word that should be lightly used especially if you are not yourself racialized there was no academic value to using the word it was created for the express purpose to demean and reduce human beings it has no other use in the English language. So even as a teachable moment or uh, an instructive tool, it should be off limits. Let me go to uh, Shane in Orangeville. How do you feel about this I, one? Uh, I was telling the screener, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a black guy, and mm-hmm. I listen to your show on a regular. And I, I kind of, I'm on the fence with this topic, but I kind of took offense to what your first caller said in regards to if you use the word, you know, in a certain context teaching, it should be okay if it offends you, suck it up or whatever. But I was telling your screener that back in the day, I'm sure you were around then, but there was a, a terminology that we referred to when we talked to talked about white people and we called them honkies. And I, I would like to know if the situation was reversed and it was a black teacher teaching your, teaching your child in a class 
and they were referring to that word if they would have the same outlook in regards to sucking it up. Because when you say that word, now you're still trying to teach, but we all know that that was kind of a derogatory word for white people, you know? So I'm not saying that the, the teacher in Ottawa is wrong, but I'm saying to, you know, and I'm saying to the other listeners too, that you got to be able to take it both ways, right? And if you look at it from that perspective, maybe you'll have a better understanding. It's well, coming you know, from- it's, hang on, Shane, but you know what? When you put it that way, uh, I was thinking through the whole maybe scenario of sitting in a class and the teacher is saying, uh, here's where that word is derived. Here's where that word has been used as a pejorative, as a demeaning, put down or whatever. Now, I personally don't think I'd recoil from that. I kind of want to understand it. Uh, I wouldn't be offended by it. Uh, now, is that because I've got this somewhat stated privileged position in society, you know, that everything's accrued to my benefit, supposedly? I, what would inform me not being upset by that? I, I would, because I'm inquisitive. I'd like to know, uh, and now I get that the teacher, you know, maybe a lot of racialized folks know that the word somewhere along the years has been passed down as a racial slur and maybe honky doesn't have the same sting to it but i'd still right. want to learn about it i mean that's just me i guess it's subjective it's just me i, I would not be offended right well just like your other callers were saying there are other ways like we know we're in an age now where everybody knows what that word means so if you can't use it in in a in a shorter text or just using the n-word then I, I don't understand why you have to say the actual word if you know there's a possibility that it may offend somebody the same way that if you if, if the shoe was on the other foot and i was teaching a class and i referred to the situation as honky as opposed to just white canadians it mm. may affect it's not going to affect you but it may affect the next person everybody is different depending on where they came from and the road that they travel to get to where they are right now in life no i understand i mean it's like if you're an anglo in quebec and you're referred to by the francophones as a blockhead i'm kind of wondering where did you guys no they do that i mean i didn't realize that till i moved to quebec blockhead oh okay uh is that a compliment or what is that exactly uh, do i have a square head do i wear a square hat David Wills is with us, Senior VP of Media Profile. That's a leading Toronto Public Relations Agency. David, how you doing? Uh, John, it's been the best day ever. Ever? Ever, yeah. I, have, I, I was growing out the, the COVID mullet through, through this pandemic, <laughs> and I had a uh, backyard b uh, barber come today and uh, clean me up, and man, my backyard looks like two blonde grizzly bears went at it to the death, but <laughs> I feel a whole lot better. Okay. <laughs> All right, you do sound a lot leaner if you want to know yeah. the truth. All right, uh, Stephen Holiday with us as well, Deputy Mayor and Counselor of Ward 2 at Tobacco Centre. Stephen, how about you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, except when I get a haircut in the basement, it looks like a shaggy old cat fell off the bookcase and left gray hairs down there. <laughs> and my wife's been my barber for the last little while, and boy, am I lucky to have her. But anyways, David, I'm going to make sure that this day isn't the best ever when we're done with you. Okay. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Okay. Uh, but, you know, you're lucky to have your wife just for the sake of a haircut. Uh, I would have thought maybe on other occasions, too, but this was the spike that really did the trick. Uh, how about you, though? Let's start with you, Stephen Holiday. I mean, how good a day was it the other day when Doug Ford announced that the province is going to, uh, well, they're tabling Bill 218 which is all part of the Recovery and Municipal Elections Act 2020. 
but it's going to revoke the framework that's in place as part of the Municipal Elections Act, which allows municipalities, gives them the, the power to elect council members using ranked ballots. Doug doesn't like ranked ballots, but this was a motion put forward by Shelley Carroll and uh, seconded by Councillor Joe Cressy. Uh, you have issue with it? Do you support it or not? Oh, well, I got tears of joy that the legislation's coming forward. Just look who put the motion forward. Um, look, we did a bunch of screaming and yelling about this at the last council meeting. We've done, done it several times. Uh, there's some academics that are running around that are trying to change our election system. And for the benefit of the listeners, rank ballot means you got to go into the voting booth and you got to pick your top three candidates for mayor and you got to rank them in order. Then you got to pick your top three councillors and rank them in order. And if it applies to the trust, Maybe you got to do that too, which means you got to spend hours doing your homework going into the voting the voting booth. And I've argued and argued and argued against this just because, look, we have enough trouble getting people interested and engaged in elections. And to make it feel like a multiple-choice test, I think, is just going to put off voters. But if you really want to go look at the conspiracy behind it, um, think about it. What, what benefit does it bring to us? Well, I wonder if uh, maybe some of the left are pushing for reforms to the voting system because maybe it's going to shake some things up. And one has to think, you know, municipal elections, candidates are not part Partisan, but they're definitely at different ends of the spectrum, and some are in the middle. So whether you vote left or you vote right, your second and third choice is probably going to be a moderate on the ballot, somebody in the middle. You're not going to go to the far end of the spectrum. And that's going to bring those candidates towards the top. So I actually think there's an innate flaw when it comes to the system. And I've never really liked it because of that. But I think most importantly, for the very practical reason of all the extra klutzy, cumbersome components to the voting and all of the work that has to go to the election, just keep it simple. Ask people to come to the polls, exercise their right, and vote for their favorite person. Well, all right, let me just follow up here, and then I'll get to David on this. But, I mean, would it favor the incumbent or actually uh, work against the incumbent that you might have alternative choices? So there's different uh, academic studies on this. There's a case, I think, out in London, Ontario, and you can look it up, that, that the favorite going into it was not necessarily the person that was picked, but it was one case. And a lot of people looked at it and said, well, this is a great way to shake up council and get more diversity in there. On the other hand... Um, Having name recognition on a ballot, if it doesn't put you in the first slot, it might put you in the first and second. And there's other academics that have argued that exact point, that it favors the incumbent. So again, why do you have to tamper with the election process if it ain't broke? Don't try to fix it. Just work with what we've got, and we have enough effort to try to get these elections to work just the way they are. Having gone through the last one where things changed up in the middle of it, I heard that from people. Keep it simple, politicians. Okay. Uh, so first past the post, as Doug was saying yesterday, is the favored uh, response from the province. That's why they want to deny that uh, this rank ballot system uh, would go ahead in Toronto. In London, by the way, you cited that, Stephen. That I, I think they were the first municipality to try that, or at least uh, the most recent, where they had an election decided that way. Hey, David Wills, I mean, on that matter of diversity, getting more people into the process so it's not always this stasis where we have the same names, the same... Do you think that the rank ballot system would sort of open things up in that regard? I, I do, and I, I think there's two key points made. First, I'm, I'm stunned that the Deputy Mayor of Toronto just said that the voter having a more informed informed voter is going to have a detrimental result to the finish. Like, like that, that was a stunning, stunning declaration. And, and second, Doug Ford, who's introducing this, would not be leader of the Conservative Party or the Premier today if it weren't for ranked balloting. 
he came in second on the first ballot for leader of the Conservative Party in the last election. So, let, you know, it, it worked there for him. Why doesn't it work for others? And why not uh, encourage people to get more involved? The, the other thing, you know, Stephen talks about the left and the right. What it, one of the things that ranked balloting does is it, it, it dampens extremism. So the people who know that in this riding that there's going to be these candidates where I can take this extreme view, but I'm going to still win, it softens that because they have to get past that. And I think that uh, in every jurisdiction where they've done some sort of electoral reform against first past the post, uh, it has been beneficial. In London, the people liked it. It worked well. They have a good council. I I, I also don't know why the premier put this into a bill on COVID recovery uh, this just seems punitive because he doesn't like municipal democracy. Stephen, John, I got I got to call it out, Dave. You weren't fair with me here. I didn't say that uh, I don't think voters should be more informed. In fact, I absolutely believe they should. Uh, when I run an election, I put an enormous amount of time and effort into the literature that goes out there to make sure people understand who I am and what I stand for. If they don't already know, uh, if they haven't already met me or experienced uh, me somehow as a counselor out in the community. But uh, I just think to challenge people further begins to put people off to participating in the process. And I've seen it time and time again, and I saw it in the last election when people were put off with participating in the election because of the things that happened with the changes to the ward system. They were really upset, and they were upset with the government over that. And I think it, it, it really hurt the process overall. I didn't mean me as a candidate. I just meant people wanting to engage municipally. And so adding more layers to the responsibility that you put on someone's shoulder during the voting system will cause more people to say, ah, I couldn't be bothered. And the statistic will rise when it comes to voter participation. And we need people out. The more people that come out and the more people that exercise the right, the stronger the election is, the more confidence there is in the system. But, but Stephen, the truth is, the, especially in municipal elections, and especially in Toronto, the incumbent has a massive advantage. It was shaken up a little bit last time because in the middle of the election, the province changed the rules, which I also didn't support. But I think that what you're talking about now, you spend all of this money on literature, you have the, the, the time in, in term there. Somebody who wants to challenge you doesn't have any of that. They can't even campaign until a certain time, which is a very limited window. If we have a ranked ballot system where people are going to say, you know, I'm going to look into this. You know, maybe I think I like Stephen Holiday, but I'm going to look into the other, uh, other candidates. You know, they're going to choose who they're going to pick first, second, and third. I don't think putting that burden on a voter it should be looked at as a burden at all. I think it's a way of encouraging people to get more involved and to take the process seriously. I think right now, especially with municipal elections, they think it's a foregone conclusion that the incumbent's going to get back in, and they don't, they don't uh, do the time because they think, well, my vote's not going to count. This makes sure that their vote does count and that they can say, you know what, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't like this person, but the person I really like, you know, maybe not can beat them, but I can put them down as my first choice, and then this is the second choice. They feel like that you're giving the voter more power to make their vote count, and I think that is a positive thing. But no, just, I just uh, sorry, go John. Ahead, Stephen. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, Dave, you're 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 
plucking on a, a classic string in all of this argument, which tries to seize on this idea that people are dissatisfied with their municipal councillor, and they are. there are people in every ward that is that way, and in some way that this is somehow a, a method to shake up the system and get somebody else in there. And it's a fallacy, because what, it, what you look in the jurisdictions where this occurred is there really wasn't much change at the end of the day, except that it was a far more complicated voting process, and you stuck a ballot that was three times as long in front of people and made them sit in the ballot box longer. And yes, there are political nerds like us that will read every piece of literature and analyze and calculate everything. And there's other people out there that just want to make sure that they know the name that they want to have and go into the balloting box and check that name off and and be done and get on with their day. I I think that's a sad way of looking at democracy, a a really sad way, which is just vote the name you know, and I don't think that's a good idea. That's not what I said. I just said that keep the system simple so that people feel comfortable using it and they go out and do it. Yeah, I was going to say, because, Stephen, you said off the hop that uh, this may work, uh, or at least they're attempting to uh, do this with counselors. uh, But at trustee level, I mean... How many people actually know who their trustee is? You know, they're voting for the school board. And if you've got to go two or three deep, I mean, at that point, it's just, you know, I, I don't know what you're voting on at that. How many, people know, who their, how many people know who their counselor is today? And I think you'd be surprised. to Google, all of us. This isn't hard work. We don't have to go back and get a degree in it. You can do all of the research that you need to know in less than an hour. And, you know, probably even way less than that. I think a lot of people go in thinking, I'm going to vote for Stephen Holliday or I'm going to vote for Joe Cressy. But what then they look at is, okay, who's going to be my second choice? And they actually learn a little bit about other people's ideas that they're not dominated, especially not being dominated by the incumbent that has a massive advantage. You've got to be kidding. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.